righty, hour number three underway. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. It's the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. You can email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. And uh, remember, get the podcast. Go to wbt.com. It comes right to your smartphone or tablet every single day, three times a day. Each hour is its own podcast. Um, so I will get to some of the messages uh, that I, I said I would read uh, from the previous uh, uh, topics. Uh, but I want to throw something out here because you may not be aware of it. Um, did you know that the governor and uh, he's a Democrat and the Republican legislature and the leaders in the House and Senate, did you know that they've put partisanship aside? I I was not aware that that happened, but apparently they did. They put partisanship aside and that's why North Carolina is now ranked number one in America as the top state for business. Because, yeah, that's how that happened. We got number one top state for business in America because the governor and the the legislative leaders put partisanship aside. I mean, that's what CNBC says. That's what the governor is uh, talking about. Claiming a bit of credit for that. Have you have you seen this? Yeah, CNBC, they've been doing this, uh, I don't know, these rankings. America's top state for business. And the Tar Heel State has always been a contender in the annual competitiveness rankings. Rarely finishing outside the top 10 since they started doing the study back in 2007. The state finished a close second last year. But 2022 is the first year that it has been able to climb to the top. What made the difference this year? For one thing, state leaders keep managing to put aside their very deep political divisions to boost business and the economy. Hmm. And then they talk about uh, the Vietnamese electric vehicle manufacturer, VinFast, that they, you know, cut the big ribbon with the ridiculously oversized scissors or whatever. They like they were celebrating. Hey, look at that. We're giving them all these tax breaks to come here. And, you know, Phil Berger was there and Tim Moore was there and the governor was with them. And they were all, yay. Apple. They celebrated that, right? Um, last fall, Cooper and the General Assembly also came together to pass a two-year state budget. That is the first spending plan that Roy Cooper has signed since he took office in 2017. And so I guess he gets some credit for signing the budget. He gets credit for that, for signing the budget. Um, Democrats and Republicans came together this month on budget adjustments for the second year in a row, because, you know, we do our budgets that are two-year budgets in North Carolina. So they did the big budget last year, and then they just come back in for, you know, adjustments on the second short session year. And the governor signed that one. The two sides announced they are close to a deal on expanding Medicaid, a bone of contention for as long as Cooper has been in office. Okay, that the expansion of Medicaid may or may not happen. I do not know. Um, but I don't know why that would put you at the top of a rankings list for competitiveness for business, right? Medicaid, like by definition, the people who are on the Medicaid rolls... 
Right. They don't have access to health care. So <laughs> I don't understand. I, 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 I don't get how that would help you in a competitiveness ranking for businesses. But what do I know? I'm not CNBC. Um, then there's this. North Carolina's solid finances are the cornerstone of the nation's top economy, as measured by the CNBC study. The state's credit rating is pristine. Its fiscal balance is sound. Economic growth at 6.7% last year and job growth at 3.6% were among the strongest in the nation. The state ranks number two, only behind California, for access to capital, having the nation's second and sixth largest banks based in Charlotte provides a home field advantage of sorts, you know, Bank of Earth and or Bank of America and uh, Truist Financial. But North Carolina companies also attracted three and a half billion dollars in venture capital investments last year. That's the sixth highest in the country. Um, A state grant and loan programs for uh, businesses have gotten new life under the state's bipartisan truce. When did this happen? Look, I follow state politics pretty closely. I'm unaware of this bipartisan truce or any, I I don't, I don't know when this would have occurred, except unless you're thinking way back to HB2 days when Governor Cooper rallied businesses to boycott our state. Is that, is that what they're talking about? That, that Roy Cooper was actively working to harm our economy and to harm the people that are employed by businesses that now are not going to expand here or not going to relocate. He's actively trying to harm, he was trying to harm North Carolinians because it gave him a political advantage to beat Pat McCrory. Is that what they're talking about? Because they do then reference HB2. They make a mention of it later on in the article, but they don't connect that Well, here they go on to say uh, in a CNBC interview, Roy Cooper said, we are holding them at bay on cultural wars. We are sending the right signals. So he's holding the Republicans at bay on the culture wars. Okay, the state also uh, lags in two other important life, health and inclusion metrics per capita public health spending and hospital resources. Oh, so that's the Medicaid expansion thing. I see. So if we take the federal government money and expand Medicaid to now include more people than was ever originally intended to be on Medicaid, uh, and you open it up, you get more people on the rolls, and then that's going to lead to more per capita public health spending, and then you get that as a as a win for you. That's So that makes a place competitive for business? Per capita public health spending makes a place competitive for business. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah. No state is perfect. We're at number 28 for life, health, and inclusion. The state long ago retreated from its controversial bathroom bill, known as HB2, after intense criticism from business. Right. That was whipped up and organized by Attorney General Roy Cooper. In his run for governor. Right. The Wall Street Journal article talked about how he got on the phone with Salesforce CEO guy Benioff or whatever his name is. And then that guy who's an activist and he starts making calls to the other business people that he knows. And. And then remember, 
maybe you don't. Like, but then Roy Cooper told his fellow Democrats in the legislature, do not work with the Republicans on anything that will take HB2 away before the election. They were talking about a fix of some kind. Okay, maybe we went too far. Maybe we need to tweak the language, whatever. Let's work on a fix. And Cooper threatened the Democrat members in the House and Senate and said, if you work with them on fixing this, you will have no role in my administration if I win. And so the Democrats, except for, I believe, Joel Ford, uh, was about the only one to try to work uh, on the on a fix. And. Yeah, you look what happened to him, right? He got uh, he got targeted by his own party members. So they put his, they put Roy Cooper's success, his personal political advantage, they put that above the state that they say was being harmed. And this is a pattern, by the way. This is a pattern. And it's not just with Roy Cooper. Uh, same thing is happening in these other races. Have you heard where Democrats are actually putting up money and backing, like, the most pro-Trump candidates they can find in these races? And they're telling us, that Trump is this unique threat to the democracy and we have to defeat him and all Trumpian politicians and all that. Well, then why are you putting money into their campaigns? Because they think they're going to be easier to beat. So they're, they're, they're trying to get them through the primaries. Democrats are actively funding the very people that they claim would destroy the democracy. So what, are they lying about that or are they just willing to risk the democracy? I, I don't know which is – like, what's a better position there? What's the better position to adopt? What, what's me giving you the benefit of the doubt? What's me trying to you know, assign the most charitable motive for you? I, I don't know what that is because they're both equally horrible. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, it's a Pete tweet from uh, Ikifu on the Twitter machine. Uh, yeah, Pete, the uh, Medicaid expansion would move people from company insurance to Medicaid, so that makes the businesses more competitive because they don't have to pay the <laughs> they don't have to pay for the benefits. We're talking about the CNBC uh, th- this ranking that they've been doing since 2007. North Carolina came out on top for the first time, although it's almost always been in the top ten. Uh, but and with like. North Carolina was second last year, and hey, the, the, what's the other one? Site Selection Magazine or something. They uh, they always rank North Carolina very high. Ever since, I mean, I'm not saying it's because of me, but I just would point out that when I got here, Charlotte was you know started seeing just huge growth. North Carolina started seeing huge growth. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's me. It's just very coincidental when I arrived. Then so too did all of the success, and uh, and then then the Republicans took over the General Assembly, and they started implementing tax reform, and they were opposed in their efforts by this governor and his fellow Democrats in the legislature and the you know constellation of nonprofits that are always quoted and remain quote experts. In media accounts, for some reason, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, the Budget and Tax Center, uh, it's you know part of the uh, left wing uh, group of of nonprofits under the uh, who is the is it Policy Watch is the is that the umbrella company? I don't know. I, I, it doesn't matter. Action NC or something. What it doesn't matter. The point is that 
these budget and tax center people, they were making all of these, you know, catastrophic predictions about what would happen to the state and its budget and finances and all this stuff. And it never panned out that way. It actually worked. And the budget and tax center, without any shame, they still put out press releases and they get quotes in the paper and such. Why, why would you trust anything these hacks have to say? They obviously cannot make predictions free from political bias. So why would you, why would you trust anything that they're telling you? So I digress. The uh, CNBC study measures all 50 states across 10 categories of competitiveness for a total of 2,500 possible points. And North Carolina came in number one at 1,580 to capture the crown. Um, the runner-up? Washington State, followed by Virginia, Colorado, and Texas. And then number six is Tennessee. Uh, I do not know where South Carolina falls on the, uh, on the list. The most improved state, Oregon. Kentucky uh, also improved, uh, and Vermont. They both moved, all three of those states moved up the most. Uh, the ones that saw the biggest declines, um, Connecticut, Maryland, and New Jersey. New Jersey, biggest decline, actually. The biggest decline belongs to New Jersey. Dropped 16 places in the rankings. Um, by the way, speaking of New Jersey, do you, know why, uh, do you know why New Yorkers have such bad attitudes? It's because the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. That's my New Jersey joke. Feel free to use it. Oh, and by the, okay, yes, yes, New Jerseyans, you can use it the other way around. The tunnel goes both ways. Um, the worst state, least competitive state, the one at the very bottom of the list, you know what it was? Mississippi. It is hurt by a glut of regulations, by a lack of inclusiveness in state laws, including some of the most restrictive voting laws in the nation. Why would that make a state anti-competitive for business though like if anything wouldn't like if you were able to i don't know operate some sort of fiefdom in your state and not have anybody vote at all seems like that could be a very good thing for business right they don't have to deal with voters or anything they just have to they just got to win the graces of the governor or something i don't know i got got questions about their criteria in this uh in this study but here's the thing that just that chaps me it's the it's the governor framing this as if they put bipartisanship aside, and that's the reason why the economy has been so good in this, and the state is so good for attracting business. I, and I'm not the only one that noticed. Senator Phil Berger's office did, and they took to the Twitter machine. Tweet storm a-coming. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so Senator Berger, leader of the North Carolina Senate, Phil Berger, his uh, press shop put out uh, a statement after we were named as the top state for business, and he said it's the first time North Carolina has earned the number one position since CNBC began publishing this list in 2007. North Carolina has been recognized as one of the top 10 states to do business in 14 out of the last 15 years. In addition to being the best state for business, 
CNBC also found that North Carolina has the best economy in the nation. North Carolina has the best economy in the nation. When Republicans won control of the General Assembly over a decade ago, we put North Carolina on a direct path toward becoming the best state in the country for business, said Berger. From reforming our tax policy to creating some of the best incentives in the nation, North Carolina is a magnet for business creation and expansion. Since 2013, when Republicans won in 2010, but then they got sworn in in 2011, they took over basically in, in, in 2011. That's when they first got their chance to govern. But they were up against Bev Perdue, Democrat governor. And so they couldn't exactly get everything they wanted done. Then when they won the supermajority, then they were able to do what they wanted. And Bev Perdue did not run for reelection. Then Pat McCrory won. So in 2013, Republicans started their reforms of the tax code. They lowered the personal and the corporate income tax rates, and they would take them down by, you know, quarter of a point, quarter of a point. And they would look to see, like, what kind of impact is this having on the, uh, on the budget, on the economy? And once they saw that, oh, it's bringing in more money, we're still running surpluses, all right, take another quarter point, half point off. And they just kept whittling it down and doing, you know, doing that work every single session. And it's not sexy, doesn't get a lot of headlines, and it's hard to talk about on a TV news story. But the tax reforms that they put in place were opposed by the governor, opposed by his party, opposed by the progressives who said that this was going to bankrupt the state. And then you got Dale Falwell, the uh, state treasurer, and he's been in there managing uh, the, the pensions. So the, the Republicans have been governing well on the fiscal side of things. Despite all of the... The, the screaming and yelling that you may hear from the left and the media, but I repeat myself, like, it's despite all of that, CNBC just named us the strongest economy in the nation. And Cooper wants to claim that it's because of him or something, that it's his ability to set partisanship aside. Yeah, this, this rubbed Berger the wrong way, as it should, as it should. So on Twitter, his uh, account, and I assume it's his press people, um, but it might have been him. I don't know. Uh, it said North Carolina, or he's, he, so he's quoting Roy Cooper, saying that Cooper said North Carolina should freeze the tax cuts for businesses. In 2019, he vetoed corporate income tax cuts and reductions to the franchise tax on businesses. Governor Cooper talks out of both sides of his mouth when it comes to our business-friendly climate. He touts taxes, regulatory reforms, and workforce development to businesses looking to come here, but it will, he will rail against them the first chance he gets. He criticized the GOP-led unemployment insurance reform that has been championed by the business community. What, what is that about? Well, for all of you new arrivals... Well, welcome, and please don't keep voting Democrat if that's where you, what you were doing where you came from, but uh, welcome. And uh, what had happened was during the Great Recession, 2008, right, 2009 timeframe, North Carolina was paying out 
like one of the highest amounts of money in unemployment. Now, unemployment is not that that's not a um, uh, a line item in the budget. That's not public tax. A lot of people don't realize this, that the businesses pay that that's insurance. It's unemployment insurance. It's UI, right? So like you're paying as a business, you're paying into this fund, but the, uh, and so that's why if you fire a lot of people, then your rates are going to go up and that sort of thing. But we were, uh, uh, paying out a very rich benefit. Oh, come on, Pete. It was only, it's like $600 a week or something. And it went for a very long time. But remember, uh, when the recession hit, there were a lot of people, they didn't go back to work. Remember they were like, ah, oh, the, the, what do they call them? The 99ers, the 99 week people. They've been out of work for 99 weeks. They're like I'm still looking for my perfect job. Yeah. And you're still drawing unemployment. For two years, that's almost two years. So North Carolina uh, was paying all these out. We ran up a debt. We ran up such a bit. I, uh, I want to say it was like 2 or $3 billion that we owed the federal government. The state owned it because the state was backstopping because we had no more money for unemployment because the, the state administers that program. So we ran up this debt. We were second only or third, I guess. Uh, it was like second or third to like New York and California. And then it was us. We owed that much money, like as those states. So the so Pat McCrory gets in, and the Republican legislature says, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna cut the benefits. We're gonna repay these loans, and that's gonna be able to reduce the rates for the business for all the businesses that operate in North Carolina." And Cooper uh, criticized that. Cooper was opposed to that, but now he touts it. Now, now because that helped improve the business climate in the state, now he touts it. Berger goes on to say whether it's through his vetoes or his rhetoric, Governor Cooper has put partisanship ahead of pro-growth policies. In his pitch to Amazon, the governor said North Carolina has, quote, an embarrassing uncle or two in reference to Republican lawmakers. Like every family with an embarrassing uncle or two, we have a few politicians who want it to be 1957 instead of 2017, Cooper wrote. That's what he wrote to Amazon. But now he's all about the bipartisanship, don't you know? All about it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Let me uh, get a couple of callers on here. This is uh, Adam. Welcome to the program. Hello, Adam. Pete, I just got done mowing grass, and that actually weather forecast is spot on, man. It's hot out <laughs> Anyway, I hate that I have to defend Governor Cooper here, but the bipartisanship plays a big part because Democrats, Republicans, and Raleigh have been tripping over each other for years trying to give away all sorts of tax breaks. <laughs> A little bit extra cash to bring the companies here. So I, I got to go with the governor here. You got to go with the gov- for the true bipartisanship of handing away other people's money. They, they do. That's they, right, because uh, Berger's compelling- a huge fan of it, too. That is. That's a compelling, that is a compelling argument. Uh, I'm sorry I hadn't thought of that. Adam, thank you, sir. All right, buddy. See you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. It's true, though. They were both at the, in the article. They're both on here. When Democratic Governor Roy Cooper signed a deal in March with the Vietnamese electric vehicle manufacturer VinFast to build a $2 billion factory in the state, Senate President Pro Tem uh, Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore, both Republicans, were close at hand. The three had worked together across party lines to craft a $1.2 billion incentive package sealing the deal. I guess that's true. The bipartisanship of that. Yeah, I guess that's that is true. That's what got the deal done. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the program. 
Tom, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I wanted to talk about the irony of North Carolina being named the best state for business in 2022 when, uh, in what, 2016, we were like a pariah state because <laughs> of HB2. Right. You know, all these corporations were, were saying, we're not going to expand to North Carolina. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to build, uh, in mm-hmm. North Carolina and, uh, et cetera. They were just, they were just so much of an overreaction. Personally, I thought HB2, uh, although the language of the bill was not great, I thought it was a good bill. And I just uh, hated to see all that, all well, those uh, corporations uh, trying to be so woke. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the important thing, though, Tom, the, the key here was that, uh, yes, we may have taken some economic hits over it, but the important thing is that uh, Roy Cooper uh, got elected. That's the key. That's the what we have to uh, always keep in mind, right? Like it, the sacrifice for all, uh, among all of North Carolinians, it was worth it because Roy Cooper got to be governor. That's what it was about. That you're being sarcastic. Right? <laughs> yes, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm not a Cooper fan. No, I'm not either. Um, no, I am being very sarcastic. But that is what he did. He 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 blocked any effort to fix it. Because I agree, like they were, I think the language could have been better. I understood. Remember also in 2016, this was, this was the first run at what we're now looking at with all the trans uh, activism and the laws and all of the litigation, right? This was, you know, the, the, this was early in the fight as all of this stuff started kind of brewing. And uh, yeah, I think they probably could have written the law a little bit better, but I understood what they were going for and why they were going for it. Um so, yeah, and then Roy Cooper, you know, marshaled the forces of business against the state in order to get elected. So, uh, Tom, I appreciate the call. Um, yeah, and that and that's why it just strikes me, this idea that um, that Cooper put partisanship aside. He has not, except for, yes, as Adam said, except for the handing out of the money. Okay, yes, except for that. So in that limited example of, hey, we got billions, let's throw it at some companies— uh, that's bipartisan. Um, by rejecting Governor Cooper's spending spree budget proposals and instead implementing responsible spending plans, Republicans made North Carolina a beacon of fiscal responsibility. It's why CNBC reports that our state credit rating is pristine. Its fiscal balance is sound. It's no surprise North Carolina took the number one spot after the governor decided he would sign GOP budgets and after GOP policy helped create the best economy in the nation. Precisely. Also, I'm sure it has nothing at all to do with the fact that Governor Cooper is the head of the Democratic Governors Association. And now he gets to go all around saying, hey, look at us. We're the number one state. We're the number one state. Oh, and by the way, elect this guy because he'll do for your state. What I did for my state, even though Cooper has been blocking all of these reforms that now landed us number one. All right, let me get to some of these emails. I promised I would read them, so let me read, uh, and they're from the earlier in the show. We were talking about the uh, Think Again campaign that the U.S. Attorney's Office launched to make people think again. Before you shoot somebody, before you use that gun, uh, gun in a crime, or do a straw purchase for somebody, before you break the law, think again. And that, that's the P, that's the PSA campaign. All right. Any chance that uh, some of these AFT 
or ATF and DOJ officials promoting this new straw gun initiative uh, were on board when Eric Holder released Fast and Furious, giving over 2,000 guns to all sorts of unaccountable people during Obama's watch? That's a great question, Dennis. Um, Jay says, Pete, even if you have a lockbox in your car, all the thieves need is a bolt cutter to cut the cable. Don't keep a gun in the car. Keep it on your person. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, and then Joseph did not like caller Steve from earlier. Uh, Steve is a TDS inflicted, <laughs> infected buffoon. Trump derangement syndrome. The entire summer of 2020 was consumed by violent, ri- violent rioting and crime, and very few were ever prosecuted. That's when the criminals got the notion that they have a green light to commit crime because the racist cops don't have authority to stop them. Heck, January 6th protesters are the only people in the last several years to suffer any repercussions for anything except maybe Avenatti. Blue Anons uh, really are just goofballs. Uh, Mike is not happy with my uh, New Jersey joke. It's a great joke. Great joke. Use it. You can use it against New Yorkers. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.